Hello, and welcome to the River of Life podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. And our text will begin in verse 18, 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. And I'd ask you to keep your Bibles open all the way through the message. I'll be pointing out some things to you as we go through. The title of the message this morning is The Growing Spirit of Antichrist. And this is actually part three of dealing with the Antichrist, but it's also part of a series of messages that we've been looking at going through the book of First John entitled The Last Apostle. On the subject of the Antichrist, there are two things that I have uh, uh, hoped and prayed and tried to prepare to teach you so that you will understand and it'll be crystal clear, and that is that the Antichrist is coming. That's what the Bible says. And the second thing is that the spirit that will one day ultimately usher in the Antichrist, that spirit is already very much at work in the world today. Now, I have four things I want to point out in the text, and I'll tell you what those are before I read the text so that you can look for them. The first thing that John is going to say is the time is late. And then he's going to tell them that the spirit of Antichrist is growing. And then those who leave us and go out from the fellowship were never a part of us. And then he's going to tell us that those who are real and genuine have an anointing from the Holy One. Follow along as I read 1 John 2.18. Little children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that, The Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist, who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Now the very first thing John says in this text is he said, little children, it's the last hour. Now, John believed that the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and the end of the age was at hand. He believed that he would see that day. And it's kind of interesting because John does not say that it is the last day. He said it is the last hour. It seems that John and all of the New Testament writers and all the dedicated, faithful, committed Christians down through the ages 
have always believed in the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. That they always believed that it was at hand, that it was soon and very soon. And rightly so, because if you understand the Bible and you've read it carefully on this subject, you will know that according to Simon Peter and the words he spoke on the day of Pentecost, in Acts the second chapter, Simon Peter indicated that the last days actually began on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church. In fact, Simon Peter stood after that that outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the church. He stood and told that, that congregation that day, he said, this is what the prophet Joel said would happen in the last days. And the pouring out of that spirit was it. He said, this is it. Now, according to Simon Peter, the last days began on the day of Pentecost. I tell people, they ask me, do you think we're living in the last days? I tell them we've been in the last days for 2,000 years. In the grand scheme of God's plan of salvation, we are definitely in the last days. John believed that. I believe that. You believe that. I tell people, if you want to be biblically correct, if somebody asks you, are we living in the last days? The answer is absolutely, positively yes. They started a long time ago, and that's the age we're in. In fact, I go on and I tell people, I don't believe we're just living in the last days. I believe we're living in the last of the last days. I believe it's close. And I believe that you and I, all of us, we, like John, should believe that the return of the Lord Jesus Christ in the end of the age is right at hand. That we're not just in the last days, we're in the last hours. And John, in this text, gives a reason for believing that. What he basically says is he says, we believe this and we can know that it's true because the Antichrist is coming. And, he's, and the spirit of Antichrist is already very much alive in the world, and it is growing. This is what he says. He says, many Antichrists have come, and now notice what he says, by which we know that it is the last hour. You see, John was saying, as we watch the spirit of Antichrist growing in the world, we understand that the more it grows, the more that spirit of Antichrist pushes us toward that ultimate time when the Antichrist will be revealed. We're getting close. And friends, unless you've been living in a bubble, unless you've been living in a bubble, then obviously you've noticed that the spirit of Antichrist is growing in the world. I mean... I mean, the world is exploding right at this moment with people who are anti against Christ, against anything that has to do with Christ. They're against the church. They're against the cross. They're against the Bible. The world is exploding with the spirit of Antichrist. It's amazing what's happening in the world right before our eyes right now. I read an article this past week, and the article said there's only one thing 
that the whole world agrees on right now. Only one thing. No matter where you go in the world, there's only one thing the whole world agrees on, and that is they don't like Christians. They don't like Christianity. Now, I don't know if that's completely true or not, but I can tell you it's close, isn't it? Man, that's, that's what's going on right now. A.W. Tozer said a long time ago, to be right with God is often meant to be in trouble with men. Our Lord Jesus Christ said in Matthew 10, 22, and you will be hated by all. What does all mean? I heard somebody say all means all and it never means anything but all. All for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. 1 John 3.13, Jesus said, Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. John was reflecting on what Jesus had actually taught him. Don't marvel. Don't be surprised. I stand before you today, and friends, I tell you, if you choose to walk with Jesus today, you will not be in the good graces of the world. And that may be the understatement of the year. I want to tell you, the fact is, there is a growing anti-Christian bias in this very nation in which we live. It is growing right now. And the amazing thing about that is, is this is a nation that was established on the principles of the Bible. It was established on Christian principles, and our nation is slowly but surely turning against the very principles that it was established upon. America is developing, with every passing day, a stronger bias against the church, against Christianity, against what we believe and what we preach and what we teach. But I can tell you, friends, the rest of the world is way out ahead of us on this issue. The rest of the world is far beyond us. I want to read to you some headlines, and these are some headlines. All of these headlines uh, come from articles and publications and, and news networks in the last two years. Let me just share these with you. Here's a headline. Has the world looked the other way while Christians are killed? The Washington Post. Christianity, the most persecuted world faith. Messenger of St. Anthony. Here's another one. Christian deaths double in 2014. World Watch List. Here's another one. 2014, the year of the Christian genocide. Brett Bart News Network. By the way, in this particular article... And I wish I could read every one of them to you. I just don't have, have time. But in this article, it said what's happening to the church today can only be compared to the first century church and Christians where they were hunted down like criminals in the Roman Empire. This generation right now. Here's another headline. A staggering 100,000 Christians are killed annually because of their faith, according to the Vatican, Fox News. And then this one should break your heart. A global slaughter of Christians, but America's churches stay silent. The Daily Beast. 
And then another says, Christians being slaughtered by the Muslims. CNS News. Here's a headline that should capture our attention like no other headline you've ever seen in your life. Here it is. A message signed with blood to the nation of the cross coming soon. You know what this is about? See, earlier this year, after beheading 21 Egyptian Christians on the seashore and turning the water crimson red with the blood of Christians they had just killed, they sent out this message, a message signed with blood to the nation of the cross. And then it says, coming soon. That's pretty blunt, isn't it? One of our spiritual leaders here in America, Franklin Graham, put on Facebook after this. This is what he posted. The militant Islamic terrorist group ISIS has released a video called A Message Signed with Blood to the Nation of the Cross, showing the beheading of 21 Egyptian Christians who had been kidnapped in Libya. Can you imagine the outcry if 21 Muslims had been beheaded by Christians? Where is the universal condemnation by Muslim leaders around the world? As we mourn with the families of those 21 martyrs, we'd better take this warning seriously, as these acts of terror will only spread throughout Europe and the United States. If this concerns you like it does me, share this. And then he said, the storm is coming. Now friends, the storm may be coming to us. There may be a storm on the way. But here's what I want you to know. That storm has already reached most of the world. We're one of the few countries where it has not reached at this point. Have you ever heard of what's called the World Watch List? Well, what it is, and you can look it up easily, the World Watch List is a list of nations where Christians are in danger. It's a list of nations where it's dangerous to be a Christian. And if the country you live in is on this list, they say more than likely you will be persecuted and there's a good chance you'll even be martyred for your faith. I want to share with you the top 50 countries on this list. North Korea. Somalia, Iraq, Syria, Afghanistan, Sudan, Iran, Pakistan, Eritrea, Nigeria, Maldives, Saudi Arabia, Libya, Yemen, Uzbekistan, Vietnam, Central African Republic, Qatar, Kenya, Turkmenistan, India, Ethiopia, Egypt, Djibouti, Burma slash Myanmar, Palestinian territories, Brunei, Laos, China, Jordan, Bhutan, Cameroos, Tanzania, Algeria, Colombia, Tunisia, Malaysia, Mexico, Oman, Mali, 
Turkey, Kazakhstan, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, Tajikistan, uh, Azerbaijan, Indonesia, Mauritania, United Arab Emirates, Kuwait. Friends, those nations have already been overtaken by a spirit of Antichrist. They are unapologetically against Christianity. And by the way, since we're talking about the Antichrist, you may find it hard to understand or even believe that it's even possible, but I want you to understand just how absolutely easy it will be for one man to rise to power and be the ultimate Antichrist in the rest of the world. These 50 countries would fall in love with somebody who would be totally against God and totally, totally against the church. They're already demonstrating that. I, I mean, uh, they could do that easily. And they've turned completely against Christianity. Now, the persecution is different, but I want to want you to know if you're a Christian and you're one of these countries, you're going to be rejected, ostracized, persecuted, and if you stand up and speak loudly enough, you'll be killed. Now, I want you to think with me just for a moment. And one of the reasons I wanted to read that entire list of nations to you is this. Did you notice that some of these nations we protect? We go to war for them? Some of these nations are our allies. Some of these nations, we are sending aid to them every year. And some of these very nations, if you go into those nations and you hold up your Bible and declare you're a Christian, you will be martyred. Something's wrong with this picture. And listen, you know me, I don't get involved in politics, but may God bless us and may you vote for somebody that will straighten some of this out. This is wrong. It's hard to believe. Now, I wish I could take time to go through each one of these nations. I don't, but I want to just give you one nation, North Korea. By the way, did you know North Korea is the most dangerous place? On the planet for a Christian to live. And don't be lulled to sleep into believing that ISIS is our enemy. ISIS is not our enemy. The Antichrist is our enemy. And he'll use ISIS. He'll use an emperor in North Korea. He'll use anybody and anything to try to destroy Christ and the church. Our enemy is the Antichrist. In North Korea, did you know that if you are found with a piece of paper that has a verse in the Bible written on it, you'll be put in jail. In North Korea, if you are found with a Bible, you are considered to be an enemy of the state and the police have the authority to shoot you on the spot. Did you know that in North Korea right now, there are 70,000 Christians who are in work camps in North Korea and they're there for only one crime and that is putting their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
It's unbelievable. I'm going to tell you something. If that's been shocking, I'm about to tell you something that will be more shocking than anything I've said to this point. Did you know the church is growing in North Korea? It's growing. And did you know that the church in America is declining? We're losing people. Somebody stop me in just a few moments after this message is over before I get out of the building and explain to me in a country that's torturing and killing and imprisoning Christians how they can be growing and how in America with all the freedom we have we are declining. I I do have one idea I'll share with you. But I'm interested in hearing what you've got to say. I just don't think there are any hypocrites in North Korea. I don't think there's any phony Christians there. I don't think there's any fake Christians there. I don't think there's any pretenders there. If you're in North Korea and you say, I'm a child of God, trust me, you are a child of God. (laughs) Let me tell you something. When people are real and genuine, when they know the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, people around them will find what they found. And that's the reason it's growing. By the way, one of the stories I read about North Korea, and I'm having to watch my time now, one of, one of the stories about North Korea is there's a Christian woman in North Korea. She has some small children. I love this story, but it also saddens my heart. There's a part of it. But she has these small children, and she has a Bible. And she keeps that Bible hidden in her home. And it is hidden in such a place that even if they search her home, they can't find the Bible. And this is her daily routine. At night, she puts the children to bed. She has young children. She puts them to bed. She turns out all the lights in the house. She makes her way to where the Bible is. And she takes that Bible, pitch black dark, doesn't even turn the lights on. She goes to the children's bedroom She takes that Bible. She crawls into bed with her children, gets right between them. They pull the covers up over their head, and she gets a little flashlight out, and she teaches the Word of God to her children. She does that every night. Isn't that a wonderful story? But you know what breaks your heart if you'll think about it for a moment? There are moms and dads all over America who call themselves Christians, and this is no exaggeration, who have never one time sat down with their children with a Bible and tried to teach them some biblical principle. Oh, they'll bring them to church, dump them off at Sunday school, but they won't teach them the Bible. Oh, friends, God help us. God help us. Now, at this point, John moves into something in this text that seems like it's completely unrelated. This is what John says. He's talking about the Antichrist. He's talking about the growing spirit of Antichrist. He's talking about being the last hour. And then he says, oh yeah, and those who leave us are not a part of us. You remember that? And then he says, this is, this is the answer. This is why some of those, we don't just have Antichrist in the world. We have some who are among us and they go out from us. But the reason they go out from us is because they're not a part of us. 
1 John 2.19 says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. How in the, sometimes people say the Bible is confusing. I don't know what it means. How could you not know what that means? They were with us and they left us and they went out because they were not a part of us. Now, listen, John's not talking about people, and I'll just bring it up to date. John's not talking about a family at River of Life Church feeling led of the Lord to go to another church and serve the Lord there. That happens. There are times we have families that journey with us for a season, and we fellowship together, and then God leads them to go somewhere else, and they go somewhere else, and they serve the Lord just as faithfully there as they did here, maybe even more because they're just obeying the Lord. And there are those who are members of other churches and God releases them to leave that church and to come into River of Life and to be a part of our church family. There's nothing wrong with that. And don't you ever let anybody make you feel bad about following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing wrong with that. But John's not talking about that. He's talking about people that come in, walk down the aisle. Maybe they get baptized. They make a profession of faith. Maybe they start working. They're in the church for six months. They're in the church for a year. They're here for a while. And then one day they walk out. And they go back to their old lives. They go back to the world. They go back to doing what they were doing before. And John says, you need to understand this. There's... There's a bad spirit out there, but sometimes people come in and they don't have the right spirit. And John said, they went out from us because they were not of us. If they had been of us, they couldn't have gone out from us. And then what he does is this. He makes a distinction in verse 20 between those who go out and those who stay. Look at this. I hope you get this today. Here's the distinction. He said, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Here's what John says. John says, they went out from us because they were not a part of us. But here's the distinction. But you did not go out. You did not leave. And why didn't you leave? Because you have an anointing from the Holy One. That's why you didn't leave. That's why you're still here. That's why you're still in the church. They left and went back to the world because they never were a part of us. But you're here because you have an anointing from the Holy One. Do you know what the word anointing means? It's an amazing word. The, the, the word anointing means to be smeared. Now, we use that word derogatorily today. But trust me, it's not derogatory in this sense. To be anointed means to be smeared. That means to be plastered. That means to be coated. That means to be covered. It means to have something poured over you until you're completely saturated with it. And from earliest biblical days, they were talking about the Spirit and the presence and the power of God coming over us and washing over us. And the word anointing came to mean a special endowment from the Lord. And John is making this distinction. He's saying they went out because they were not of us. But you didn't go out because you've been covered. You, you've been anointed. God put something on you that you can't get rid of. I, I believe, as I've just poured over this text, I believe that John is using the word anointing synonymously with salvation. He could have said salvation, but he didn't. You see, the Bible says if you do not have the Spirit, you're none of His. 
That's what he says. And, and, and what John, is he's just bypassing some of those early steps. The fact is, you repent of your sins, you invite Jesus Christ to come into your heart, and He comes in in the form of the Holy Spirit. And when He comes in, guess what He brings with Him? Come on. The anointing. He brings the anointing with Him. That's what He brings in with Him. Now somebody's going to walk up to me and say, well, well, what about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, you want to know what your pastor believes? I'm going to tell you, at the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit comes in. That's what I believe. And I also believe after your salvation, you can and should be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You say, explain that. I don't have to. The Bible says if you don't have the Spirit, you're none of His. And the same Bible commands Christians to be filled with the Spirit. You get it when you're saved. And sometimes God just does something so revolutionary, so so wonderful, so powerful, so overwhelming. The only thing that can describe it is I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Anyway, enough of that. Go ahead. All right. So stay with me just a moment. But that was kind of off the subject. The subject I want you to see is, is that you can't have the Spirit... Without the anointing. You can't say yes to the Holy Spirit, but I don't want the anointing. This won't work. When the Spirit comes in, He brings the anointing with Him. And when the anointing comes in, it changes everything. It makes everything new. When the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes into your heart and life, it's like a whole new world opens up to you. The scales fall from your eyes. The plugs are pulled from your ears. You begin to see what you couldn't see and hear what you couldn't hear before. You're anointed. You begin to see the big, wonderful, glorious, eternal purpose of God. And for the first time in your life, you begin to understand what life is all about. And don't miss this. All of the darkness and all of the death and all of the rebellion and all of the spirit of Antichrist in the world can put out your victory and joy when the anointing is on you. Can't do it can't steal it from you, can't take it from you. They went out from us because they were not of us, but you didn't leave. John was saying you can't leave because you've got the anointing. By the way, has anybody ever asked this question? Have you thought about this enough? Those 21 Egyptian Christians that were beheaded in front of the cameras, Why didn't they just denounce Christ? Why didn't they just reject their Christianity? Why didn't they just denounce Christ and not die? The 70,000 that are in labor camps in North Korea, why don't they just abdicate the faith? Why don't they just deny Christ and deny Christianity? Why would a mother teach her children something that will one day... Even she's doing it under the covers. Why does she teach her children something that one day will cost them their very lives? Why? Why don't they just leave? Why don't they just walk out? Why don't they just get up and walk out? The answer is, they can't. (laughs) They've been smeared. 
They've been plastered. <laughs> they've been covered. They've been coated. They've been anointed with something <clears throat> that's not of this world. And their eyes have been opened and they've found something more precious than all the world. And that's what they are embracing. And that's the reason they can't walk out. I'm going to tell you something, friends. <laughs> Every one of them and every one of us who truly know the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, one day it will be worth it all. One day it'll be worth it all. Well, what is our responsibility as a church? Have you ever thought about it? This is our responsibility, friends, as a church, to so preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, to so talk about it, to so demonstrate it before the world that we lead others to Christ, that we lead them to our Lord Jesus Christ. And they don't just get close to salvation. It's not just superficial, but we lead them to the point where they are inhabited by the Holy Spirit, that there is an anointing upon them. And this is what John says. John says when that anointing comes, they have knowledge. It brings in knowledge. It brings in wisdom. The scales are removed. They begin to see. Do you understand that when we bring somebody into the kingdom and we bring them all the way to Christ and they're anointed, they can't leave. Oh, they may leave us and go to another church. They may backslide for a day or a week. But they can't leave because there's an anointing in them. I uh, prayed long and hard about what I'm about to do, but I asked the Lord to give me a symbol of salvation, what it really looks like. This is just a symbol, but friends, this is what salvation looks like. I want to show you. That's what salvation is for. Can I tell you something about the white flag? If you want to have some fun, just do some research on the white flag. Do you know it's international? It's worldwide? When somebody waves a white flag, it means I surrender? It, 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 means, I'm tired. it, it means I'm tired of fighting? It, it, it means I, I'm not firing guns down? L let's, let's talk. It, it's time for us to do something? I was even reading one article about the white flag that said in wartime, when you raise a white flag, you have to mean it. If you raise the flag, you have to mean it. If you raise the white flag and you do it as a deception, as a diversion, as a ruse, if you don't mean it, if you're doing it to gain an advantage over your enemy, listen to this, you can be convicted of war crimes. When you raise a flag, you got to mean it. The white flag. It means I surrender. Now, here's what I want to tell you. When you, and this is just a symbol now, but when you raise a white flag before the Lord, and that's what you do, and you mean it with all of your heart, here's the good news. You're surrendering to the one who loves you <laughs> more than you can even comprehend who has a hope for you, a future for you, who wants to bless you. By the way, 
I'm telling you, the world is in trouble. And it's not going to get any better. Your best hope is Jesus Christ. That's your best hope. And here's the the deal. When you wave the white flag and you say, I'm ready to surrender. When you say, I don't want to fight anymore. When you say, I'm ready to, to give up. You're not doing that to the enemy. You're doing that to the one who loves you. And wants to save you. Wants to change your life. And listen to this. The one who will anoint you with the Holy Spirit. The one who will cover you and plaster you and fill you with something that's so precious that you wouldn't give it up if somebody threatened to cut your head off. That's how wonderful it is. I've never done this before. Please, I I know I'm a little bit over time, but if you can avoid getting up and leaving just for a few moments, please do so. I've never done this before. And I wonder if there's somebody here that's never received Christ before and you'd like to come and receive Christ. I want you to come take this stick out of my hand and wave it in the air. That's what I want you to do. That's just a symbol. Or maybe you've already made a profession of faith. You've already trusted Jesus, but you've never made it public. I want you to come take the stick and wave it in the air. Thank you again for listening to River of Life Podcast. If this message has touched you today, or if you need somebody to pray with you, please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email at info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for more information and directions.